how long. It's about faith under fire. And when things are looking rough and things aren't going the way you'd want, how do I trust in my God and grow in the midst? Man, well, it's great to be here with you. Happy Father's Day. Man, this is a, just a sweet opportunity to take a little bit of time as a family and just to recognize together some of what's going on. And beautiful day for it, right? Great weather out there and uh, just a nice day to enjoy. We've been able to get into phase five, so we're a little more open. We got like bookstore open, cafe is running, right? We got coffee back there and all that, man. If you didn't get that memo, cafe is open, right? Make sure you catch in with that and uh, yeah. Yeah, that gets the applause. Beautiful. And uh, praise Jesus for coffee, right? And uh, love you guys. So we've got that all open. Don't miss out on that. And uh, man, just excited for it. Dads, we're going after it. Um, We're looking for what it means to be a dad. And as we close out this sermon series here, actually, we're just going to stay in this series. It's such a perfect match for some of what we need to know as a dad and some of what we need to go after. And it's recognizing our Father, ultimately, Heavenly Father over us. And so as we dig in today, dads, our job is to be able to hear this from this perspective. How can I be a great father in my home? Like, what does it look like for me to bring a little bit more worship to my home? And how can I go after that in this broken world? That's some of what we're going to be going after. I just wrote these words down. Uh, Share your heart, live your faith, give your time, love your fam as you love your God. And man, you get those things coming together and you make much of Jesus Christ in the middle of your home. God gets all the glory and your family gets raised up to just be on fire for him. Ready? And all of God's men said, Man, it's a huge deal and a sweet calling. So let's do this. Let's dive into Habakkuk chapter 3, starting in verse 12. You can turn there. Habakkuk 3, starting in verse 12. Remember Habakkuk. This is a small book. It's a book written by a prophet. He had some junk washing on his shore, the sin of Judah washing on his shore. The nation of Israel had already split into two. There was the northern and the southern. And the southern portion, Judah, was just starting to go awry now drifting. The sin was bad. And Habakkuk was like, God, are you going to deal with this sin? But more than that, there was the pressure from all the nations around from Assyria and now Babylon rising up and the sin of them washing in. And he's like, how long? How long, oh God, this junk washing on my shore and how do I deal with and God, how do I process? How long until you manage this? His faith was being tested, faith tested. And as he cried out to God, I love this, our God so loves to interact with us. He's not annoyed by our confusion. He's not upset by our our asking and, and our questioning in with God, help me understand. But instead he answers back and he gave some very frank answers to Habakkuk. He's like, listen, I'm not any different than you thought. And who I am lines up with what's going on, but not just right here in the moment immediacy. There's going to be some things I'm doing over time. And I am going to raise the remnant up out of Judah. I am going to do a miracle work. I am working with the sin. And I am going to stand in the gap. And I'm going to stand against these nations that are coming against you sinfully. Hang on. It'll make sense in time. Hang on. I am the God who stands against sin. 
and I have a plan. And as he began to make this clear to Habakkuk, it was really faith taught. He moved from faith tested to faith taught. He ended up sitting back and saying, okay, God, then I long to hear from you. And he ended up giving out a song of response to him. And that's really where we're at in Habakkuk chapter 3. As he's bringing this song of response, he's like, I've learned that my God has the answer. My God is going to stand against Babylon and their sin. My God is going to stand even against his own people going off and awry. He's going to raise up a remnant. He is doing a huge work. His name will be glorified. My God has it in hand. This began to be a faith celebrated in a huge, huge way. As he began to make much of his God, it was faith triumphant, faith tested, Move to faith taught, move to faith triumphant. Men, may we recognize that that's part of our journey and our family all the time. Faith tested to faith taught to faith triumphant. So as we dive in today, let's take a look at who our father is and how we can learn from him and bring it into our own homes. Here we go, point number one. A growing faith will celebrate God's glorious salvation in this broken world. A growing faith will celebrate God's glorious salvation in this broken world. He continues here in verse 12 as he's talking to God about his having it all in hand, including having sin in hand. Here he goes. He says, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. Like your wrath will be known. Your wrath will stand against sin and you will make sure that you take a stand. I get it, God. I see the sin in front of me and I don't see you immediately responding, but I know that you will move. He's actually looking back some to Egypt here and he's like, I saw it there. I understand the story there that you stood against Egypt and their sin and you will stand fully, firmly, and eternally against sin. You marched against and it says, you went out for the salvation of your people. But please hear me, it's not just God's wrath. You marched against them and you went out for our salvation. Mercy, wrath, and mercy. Man, that's our God. He will deal with sin for those who come in repentance, for us who say, Lord Jesus, I hear you. I trust you. I believe in you. You are my Savior. You are my God. I am in. Please forgive me of my sin, Lord Jesus, I'm in. Man, there is mercy, and there is salvation, and there is hope. And all of God's people said, amen, man, don't miss it. The hope is in Jesus Christ. He's like, you went out for salvation for your people. Man, we can be God's chosen. We can be on fire for Jesus Christ. We can make much of him. We can celebrate him. Man, in our homes, may we be declaring out, we are yours. Lord Jesus, we are yours. And let's just say it today. Say it loud. We are yours. Say it with me. We are yours. Say it to your God. Say it big. We are yours. And that's what it looks like. Lord, I'm ready to celebrate your salvation. I'm ready to offer myself up and I'm ready to offer my family up to you. We are yours. He says, for the salvation of your anointed, 
for the salvation of your anointed, for the healing of the people, for the bringing along of the people, and then here for the anointed. This is in the singular form for the anointed. So some will say they believe this is actually for the anointed people, like all is one, a collection. And maybe it's that. But it actually, in the original language, uses the word that would be the anointed one, the Messiah, Meshuach. Like for the king who's reigning over all, he's like, you did things to protect Israel. You raised up the people, but you raised up the king as well. And ultimately, you will raise up the Messiah, Savior, Jesus Christ. You are doing all of this for the name and the fame and the glory of God, even for the anointed one and Jesus and his name being lifted up, him being defended and honored and protected. There is hope in our God as he moves in this world and he will make much of the name Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen, man. It says, you crush the head of the house of the wicked. And uh, as Habakkuk is talking here, he's not toying around. He's like, you step in, man. You go after it. And I've watched you take down kings. You crush the head of the one who's leading the wicked, the head of the house of the wicked. This is the king who's leading a nation awry. He's really saying, I can't wait to see what happens with Babylon. Like, I can't wait to see how you bring that nation down because you step in against the king and you bring them down. Man, please hear me in this world that is so loving to explore sin. God may be tolerant in a moment. God is calling people to himself and God will stand against sin. And in this world, we better not think that we're gonna be able to get away with it, get away with it, get away with it. May we get on our knees before our God and say, Lord, I give it to you. You're in charge. He does stand against the head of the wicked and he will take that one out. And uh, ultimately, no one will stand in their own sinfulness before God. It will not work. He says, laying him bare from neck to thigh. Habakkuk is like, I just want to paint a really nasty word picture for you. He's like, he, so he takes out the king at the head. In fact, bears him from neck to thigh. In other words, like this is the support mechanism for the head, takes it all out. Some of it's metaphor, like he's just able to take out the very top, the very support mechanism, but some of it's war talk. You were able to literally gut him. You were able to rip him open, take him apart, and you're in charge. No one stands against you. And these are some big words from Habakkuk. And in fact, he's finding it as some serious uh, promise in his life that God is going to be taking a stand against sin. God will stand against sin. Wrath for those who try to do it on their own. Mercy for those who come to Jesus Christ. And then he says, Selah. Like pause. Settle on that one a little bit. Pause. Let that settle. God doesn't toy around. God has a plan, and he will ultimately be dealing with sin. In this world, it seems right now to be driven largely by politics. Know this. God does and will deal with sin. In a world that begins to teach some kind of massive self-centeredness, Dad, our job is to teach into the home. We serve the God who's got a plan. 
We stand with him and we hang with him. And all of God's people said, man, man, huge deal. He says, you pierced with his own arrows the head of his warriors. He's like, you were fighting against the enemy and you took the enemy's weapons and you took them down with their own weapons. That's how much they don't have it in hand and you do have it in hand. You pierced them with their own weapons. God, nobody's going to take you down. You've got it in hand. He says, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. Habakkuk's like, God, their goal was to tear me down. Their goal was to rip me up. Their goal was to make it so my life was a disaster. And you've protected and you've provided. And I know you're going to do more. God, they came like a whirlwind to scatter. You can picture the wind just whipping around, like just spreading it everywhere. It's like they're trying to create disaster in this nation and honestly, disaster in my own life. And we're rejoicing because I'm being pushed out and your name is being made a mockery. And Lord, the enemy is roaring because as they kind of do things, it seems to be working in the moment. But you trampled the sea with your horses, the surges of mighty Waters. He's back to Egypt in this reference, and he's like, as they were riding through the, the Red Sea parted and the dry ground, and the chariots are trying to follow after Israel, and Israel has just gotten to the other side. The sea collapses down, and it takes all of the Pharaoh's men out. And it's almost like the sea was your horses and your chariots, your battleground, and you took out those horses with yours, the water. Thank you, God. For your authority in. He says, I hear and my body trembles. I hear and my lips quiver at the sound. It's like, I'm just telling you, it shocks me and it rattles me and it shakes me to the core, God, as I consider your authority. All too often, we stop considering God's authority. We love to consider God's love, and God is love. There is nothing wrong with considering that, but we seem to forget that God is holy, that God is righteous, that God will stand against sin. May our lips quiver as we consider what it would have been if we had to stand before our God without Jesus Christ. We have hope in our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's all in Jesus. Everybody say, just Jesus. Man, he's our hope. Don't miss it. And praise God, we get to stand before him with Jesus on our side. Things covered because of him. He actually goes on with this quivering. He says, rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. He's like, I'm just telling you, I got so scared as I considered the wrath of God and the holiness of God that my legs started shaking, almost like the bones were weak. My legs were quivering and wobbling. It was as if I was losing energy right there in the moment. And then he said, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. God, I get that people are coming in and they're causing problems, and I get you're the God who stand against it, and I get that today may not be the moment you deal with the problem, but I understand you have your hand on it, and you are going to take care of it. I will wait patiently 
and quietly for you to move. Our God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. So what junk is washing on your shore where you would love it if God would begin to work now? And he's choosing to hang on for a moment. Where you would love to see God begin to do something in the immediate. And God is saying, I am doing something. Not that yet. Hang on. He's like, wait quietly. God has a plan. Don't miss this. He started the whole book. How long? And he's in chapter 3 going, I'm waiting quietly. It's not about me. You know what you're doing. You've got it. The question isn't how long. The question is how quiet. I'm going to hang on and I'm going to watch you move, God. You do what you need to do. You're in charge. Waiting. It can be some of the hardest things that we have to go after. You know, I just wrote these words down. My wife and I were talking about this this week a little bit and uh, just kind of locking this in. As a believer, right? So as a believer, this statement is true. As a belie- Everybody say, as a believer. As a believer, this statement is true. God's wrath is my protection and his mercy is my hope. God's wrath is my protection. His mercy is my hope. Men, when we don't have Jesus Christ in mercy, his wrath is our punishment. But men, when we have Jesus Christ, God's wrath is my protection. He will meet it out into this world and he will take on sin, ultimately and finally, eternally. But our God is addressing things. God's wrath is my protection. His mercy is my hope. May I wait quietly on him. You know, this past week we went out uh, for a dinner with some friends and uh, we went over to Alexander's Steakhouse. It's open again, which is great. So we went over to Alexander's Steakhouse, loved the salad bar and all that over there. It's just a great combination of steak and salad. So we're out with friends and we're enjoying a good meal and a great salad and, and uh, chatting and just having a great time talking and laughing together. And we get done with Alexander's on Monday night and on our way out, do you know, have you been to Alexander's? You got the parking lot, and right at the entrance to the parking lot, closest to the street, is this train tracks. And I don't know if you've seen that. There's actually trains that go on that. And I've never seen a train go down it. So we get in the car, and we're getting ready to go. And as we turn to come out of the parking lot, there's a train on the tracks. Stopped. Just sitting there. And we're like, now what? There's no way out of the parking lot. You just got to sit there. And so we're sitting there waiting for a minute or two, and we're looking both ways, and you're like, wow, that's a long train. And it's not moving. The wheels aren't turning. Nothing's happening. The engine is just sitting up there. It's like the guy said, I think I'll take a break here, you know? You're like, what's going on, you know? And so we're sitting there asking a few questions. Another guy behind us decides um, he's going to get out of the car and go find out what's going on. His role was to be Habakkuk. (laughs) He goes up to the front, and he's like, how long? What's, what's going on? And somehow the engineer answered back to him in a way where he didn't understand it. He was like, well, there's some things going on with one of the cars on the train and somebody's checking it and, and they're going to get it figured out. And when they do, then we'll be able to go. I'm not sure. It'll be a little while. And, you know, so the guy's walking back and he didn't look real happy. And so the guy we were with says, hey, what'd they say to you? And he said, I, I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. We just got to sit here and wait and, and, and we'll see. And so we're sitting there and, you know, you can actually get kind of frustrated. You're like, man, it'd be nice to get going. We're trapped. Who puts a train right through the middle of a parking lot? This is crazy. And, and so while we're sitting there, we're like, let's just take the best of it. And so we just start chatting with each other and joking and enjoying the next, I don't even know what it was, 10, 15 minutes, half hour. My wife just said, wow, that went by fast. So we were there for a half hour just sitting there waiting for this train. And all of a sudden, you could see legs run by the cars underneath on the other side. And we're like, oh, maybe something's happening. And then all of a sudden, the guy blows the whistle on the train. You hear the, the horn go off, the whoop, whoop. And as he starts to move it, you see the wheels just start to turn a little. And you're like, we're moving. And all of a sudden, you're super celebratory that a train can turn its wheel a quarter of a turn. You know, it's just the weirdest. You're like, yes, we're moving, baby. And the train starts to go, and then it gets up to speed, and then it's going, and we're still sitting there. And all of a sudden, we're like, how long is this train, <laughs> right? As this thing just keeps going on and on and on. Finally, it gets done, and as it goes by, and the things, the gates open up, we go past. We are like applauding that we literally got past the train. That's life a lot of times, isn't it? Like you come into some situation and all of a sudden train block and you're on a dead stop and it's not exactly what you'd want and this isn't where you want to be and you've got to hold on and just wait and it's a different timing altogether. Lord, I will wait quietly. Lord, I will wait respectfully and God, I will do the best I can to enjoy this ride while we're here and you've got it in hand. Man, what train is blocking your path? What junk has washed on your shore? What heartache is going on where you would love to see God move? Now take the deep breath and get ready to say, Lord, I'm waiting quietly. You've got it in hand. I'm trusting you and just give it to your king. Point number two, a growing faith will celebrate God's consistency and trustworthiness. A growing faith will celebrate God's consistency and trustworthiness. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines. Remember, he just got done saying, God, I'm waiting patiently on you. Now he's like, if there's no fruit on the vine, if what I've planted isn't growing, if there's a moment of struggle, even though the junk washing on my shore is horrible and there's not much great fruit, God, even though this is so hard right now, he says, even though the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, it's like, if you're a, a farmer and an agriculturalist, and you're having problems with the delivery of your fruit and the delivery of your harvest, you know the struggle and the heartache as you're waiting for the right time. Or the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stall. Or the farmer who's having problems with his animals, he's lost some of his sheep, be cut off from the herd. This is the worst nightmare for his shepherd. Though any of these things be true, picture what Habakkuk is saying. He's not saying, though the problems, well, if they be a little bit small. He's not saying that. 
He's saying even if the problems are your very livelihood, the olives, the fruit, the harvest, the animals, the very core of what you're struggling with, even then, he says, though these things be true and there's no felt blessing in the moment, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will worship. I will celebrate. I will learn. I will look and reflect. I will lift up the name of my God and I will make much of him. I am going to lift up my battle cry. My God can. My God will. And even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. May God get all the glory. As we sit in the middle of our struggle, my God can. He has all the ability. My God will. I'm hoping and trusting in his love. And even if he doesn't, if he knows better in some way and he so chooses to go after that, then I lean on him. My God can. My God will. Even if he doesn't, may God get all the glory. Man, please hear me. Our struggle in this world washes on our shore and it causes us to lose focus on our God. May nothing take our focus from our King. And all of God's people said, no matter what's washing on, no matter what's taking place, I look to you, God, and I trust. You know, you guys know the backstory to my life. If you've been around for any period of time, I ended up with uh, some weird problems going on back in 2013 and some brain surgery that was needed on that. I had a pituitary tumor and it was just causing a ton of problems and I was just, all my hormones were collapsing and had the surgery in 2013. It ended up getting bad again. So I had another surgery in 2015 and ended up getting bad again. So I had another surgery in 2018. So three brain surgeries, by the way, that's kind of it. They sort of tap out there and like at three, they're going, this isn't going to work anymore. So after the third one, they said, we're going to have to do radiation as well. And uh, looked into a bunch of details on that. We ended up doing full gamma knife radiation. And so appreciate the thoroughness of I and I as they went after that and uh, working with me on all of it. And we went after that in the end of 2018. So that was a hard year, man. Brain surgery in, in April and then gamma knife in November. And coming off of the back of that, we know that the radiation is going to hit a little bit of the pituitary. And so there could be struggles along the way. And so we've been watching and waiting and kind of seeing, is the tumor going to grow? And what's going to happen with? And man, God's just been blessing along the way. In fact, I just had an MRI this past uh, week. And the MRI came back as... Uh, stable, no growth, maybe even reduction since we've started this radiation. Praise God for that. Amen, man. Amen, man. And um, look, it doesn't mean that the radiation may not affect in some due time the hormones and there may be a separate problem, but the tumor's under control right now. Praise God for it. And I'm just telling you, we're in seasons and these seasons may last a journey. And I get to wait two years before the next MRI. And you know it's a blessing when the train wheel turns a quarter turn and you're like, yes, right? MRI, only every two years. Yes, victory, right? And God's doing something and you're happy and you're celebrating in it. Man, whatever's washing on your shore, whatever season you're in, 
to rejoice and to worship and to claim with all you've got, my God can and my God will. And look, even if he doesn't, I will worship him. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. May we follow Jesus Christ. He is the king of the universe. He is so worth worshiping. He says, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I will physically hope in him. I will spiritually hope in him. He is the God of my horizon. He is the God of my tomorrow. And I will put my hope in him. He says, God, the Lord, is my strength. And he alone must be our hope and our strength. And uh, as we find our hope and strength, not in our own effort, not in our own muscling it up, but in leaning on Jesus Christ, the peace that comes with him, the hope of eternity with him, the him managing in the moment, in whatever way he sees fit, my God has it in hand. He is my strength. Dads, hear me. You finding your heavenly father as your ultimate strength, there is no greater message for your home. This is my God. And I will not move off of a worship in him. There is no circumstance that will push me aside from my God. And there is no struggle that will cause me to doubt. My God has it in hand. May we worship him with all we've got. And please hear me. We must not derive our hope from circumstances. Circumstances are fickle. They come and they go. We must derive our hope from our almighty king. And all of God's people said, man, man. He says, he makes my feet like the deer's. In other words, the deer... Uh, being able to run fast, jump high, get away. It's their very escape. It's their very hope. My God gives me very insight to who he is, strength to how to go after. I get it from him and I can run. His inner beauty poured out on us to make an impact. Huge deal. He says he makes me tread on high places. God puts us in to safe place. And I lean and trust in him. God walks us through journeys and God gives us moments where we may even have to face heartache. God has a plan. Hang on. Hang in there. Worship your king with all you've got. Don't let anything distract you. Your God is working. Some like to teach of a God who sets this world in motion and then just walks away. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of our word, he engages in this world. He loves you in every little detail you're going through. He knows every heartache and concern. And he's working in the moment by moment to create a stunning future with him. That's our hope. God the Father doing amazing work. He is love and he's working in my world. Lord, I would love for you to ease the circumstance, right? We always love that. 
If you could just ease the circumstance, but sometimes God is choosing to strengthen the soul rather than ease the circumstance. May we lean on him. He says at the end, to the choir master with stringed instruments. He's like, this one is a song and it needs to be sung. This is a song that needs to be lifted up. All too often, we as people will question, how long, oh God? There is victory in the waiting. How long, oh God? Wait upon your king. Quietly hang on. Your God has it in hand. He's like, I'm just telling you, he will deal with the sin of this world and he will bring mercy to bear. Your God has a plan. Are you ready to see him move? Hope. May we hope in Jesus Christ. May he get all our focus. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's pray.